Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Although I'm not quite sure where they were going with that. They were quite sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Slims Presents podcast, episode number three. I'm your host, Chris Oldacre. Uh, Donnell is absent right now. He'll be back at some point. Um, for now, it's just an empty chair. And I'm here with our guest today, the guys of the Oakland-based black metal noise band Sutek Hexen. And uh, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves, starting at this side with... Andy Way, vocals, noise, etc. Brian Jenks, noise, guitar, etc. <laughs> Everybody's an etc. <laughs> Kevin Ganyuan, uh, guitar, etc. <laughs> Josh Churchill, baritone guitar. Now, you guys um, went through a little bit of a lineup change. I know um, Ryan and Josh and Andy as well. Were you guys all, did you come into the band at the same time? No, I... Josh and I did. did you yeah, guys those came. Two. But uh, I joined with Kevin and a former bandmate, like maybe two years ago. Two years ago. Uh, but so, we, yeah, we've gone through a few lineup changes. So what what was the band when you guys first started? What was the um, the general goal of the band and what you were hoping to capture? Yeah, initially when we first started, it was just uh, Scott and I. Just It was a duo and um, just wanted to write some record songs that we we ourselves wanted to hear. So where it's at now, um, in terms of like lineup and all, it's pretty interesting. Well, I, there's a little bit of I, there's a little bit of controversy every time I go and look you guys up online or see a blog post about you or um, we did a video with you guys um, to sort of promote your show at the Music Hall back in Jan January, February, something September. like September. Was it? Oh, sorry, January. Oh right. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> January, I think it was January. Um, they they opened up for um, Reckmeister Harmonies and Corrections House at the Music Hall, and uh, we did a promo video, uploaded it to YouTube. I thought it was a cool video. The first fucking comment is somebody running off at the mouth about um, Sutek Hexen are plagiarizers and everything is just bullshit, and you guys are hacks and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I understand that a lot of this comes from the fact that, like, one of the original members, did he decided to leave the band? Is that right? Yeah, he exercised free will and he left. Um, and that's that's it. It's that simple. We won't get too into it, but you know, he had other obligations, and those obligations are respected. And it is what it is. So was it just a kind of thing where you guys had worked on stuff? together that once he left it's like well we're not going to fucking scrap all this work we did like and he was not cool with that or what we we had we had some things to fulfill for some people and you know to just say oh deals off you know right right that, that's not 
especially especially with records so much yeah thousands of dollars are put into pressing a record and you just say oh yeah oh we changed our mind you know <laughs> you, you can't really do that sometimes yeah yeah so yeah regarding that that's that's it but as far as you know all all the mud slinging i think a lot of it has to do with the former label you know oh yeah and how he felt when we realized that you know we're being mistreated oh but you know who, who cares yeah yeah i mean shit happens it's the know? internet yeah <laughs> how serious do you want to take things well that's i mean that's a question do you guys take it seriously does it bum you out every time like you guys we try not to no, i mean it's immature there's there's a point where yeah it affects you a little bit but then you're like all right actually this is one guy <laughs> yeah it's like one or two guys and versus I it actually oh yeah I've never, i i i I've barely you know it's usually someone else will bring it <clears throat> to my attention because <laughs> right. i'm i don't pay attention to like all these like chat boards and like look at comments on things really ever yeah, yeah. So, you can't look at the comments i wasn't aware of it until somewhat recently you know people t usually will say oh yeah did you see this it's like no <laughs> Frankly, I don't care. Like, it's not music that we're making for everybody to like. That's and true. And it's like you're either gonna like it or you're not. It's not. We're not trying to make popular music here. Um. And it, you know, it, if some people are swayed by random YouTube comments, <laughs> uh, fine. <laughs> if that's how you want to live your life, and where some random youtube comment is going to like dictate what you think about people and like then i don't necessarily need you as a <laughs> listening to my music anyway so my favorite one so far was you guys need to write songs with more structure really it's like, it's like somebody I, I, was, I think it was i forgot where it was but somebody was telling us how to write songs yeah. <laughs> oh okay you're right. Well, I mean, I, I will admit, you you guys' choruses are a little bit cheesy. Um, <laughs> you might want to work on that. No. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. If you've heard Sutek Hexen's music, it's very atmospheric, very uh, ambient, and really just sort of like a, a cascading wall of textures. So to complain about the structure of an ambient song is, is one pretty ignorant but uh do you guys speaking of the style of music um you guys get labeled a lot as black metal or noise or or ambient but you guys don't really fall into any of those categories do you categorize yourself or is there something you're trying to accomplish that you have a vision in your head like this is what i am reaching for even if it doesn't have a genre name, I think those genre, those genres mentioned are kind of they're just what they the influences. are. Yeah, they're yeah. influences, and it's a good starting point. But ultimately, the stuff that we put out is the stuff that we we just want to hear, you know, without restriction. It's kind of nice to not be categorized. Yeah, I mean, if those are, you know, standpoints to look from. Right. Those are good pinnacles, but 
I don't know. I think it'd be nice if it continues not to be able to be categorized. Stuck in between genres. When you guys got started and um, when you are writing new music, a lot of it seems to be um, based on creating sounds out of something that maybe uh, isn't a traditional instrument or taking uh, just ambient sounds or noise and creating a song structure out of these elements in a somewhat organic, although you know electronically created manner. Um, and this to me sort of evokes like a DIY um, mentality where you're taking pretty much anything that you can get your hands on and finding a way to, uh, to turn it into something musical or uh, evocative in some kind of way. Um, how did you develop that, that mindset? Because it seems to be recurring throughout um, a lot of the things that you guys do. Um, Terminal is a, a space that you guys uh, practice in. You put on shows there. Um, and it's sort of a DIY venue. Um, where did you, where did you, this uh, mentality come from and how do you think it influences the music that you make? Sorry, that was a really long, <laughs> winding question, but take from it what you will. Well, I think all of us outside of this band are all experimental or noise artists already. So that kind of definitely informs songwriting style and using just our general approach. It's just using whatever's available, you know? Seeing things from different angles. Um, playing, I mean, some of the people I know, they play prepared guitars, you know? A, a yeah. guitar is known as just you know, an instrument, for the most part, an instrument that you strum. But there's so many other ways you can affect it. I mean, look at Sonic Youth, just yeah. as a as more as a more well-known example. Mm -hmm. So it's just having a different approach. But as far as like field recordings, everyday objects, yeah, that air conditioning unit over there yeah. is making yeah sound. I mean, that's that could be musical or anything. You know, it's just being aware of your surroundings. And seeing where it fits into song, and that seems to be kind of like a a theme of the band. Uh, we talked um, at our previous uh, video shoot. We sat and talked for quite some time about uh, a whole range of shit. But one of the things that we talked about was sort of the uh, recurring themes that you guys have pulled out of your music not necessarily intending to uh, tackle certain themes, but after time, you sort of started to realize that, you know, the, the songwriting process sort of always seemed to be based around this idea of birth and death and uh, decay and then rebirth and the, you know, the cycle of the universe, essentially. Um, so, does that um, is that a conscious effort that you guys are are really focusing on now that you've identified it? 
I don't know if that's conscious. It might come into it a bit, like thinking about it, but honestly, I don't. I think that you know we just go in and and do it. You know, it's just it's just part of who we are and our makeup and our uh, just our general approach. Are there some things that you guys are are thinking about when you're writing music? Do you try and get into a certain headspace or? How does the process sort of take shape? Um, are you all uh, writing stuff and bringing it, or is it one person primarily doing the songwriting? Yeah, everybody, everybody here contributes to the process, and you know, when it comes to you know whether it's the drums, the guitars, the noise, it's whoever has something first. And you you know you lay that down, and you, there's a lot of file swapping. You know, I mean, not all of it you can just like just do on the spot. Like, oh, hey, check this out. Right, right. So, so do you take rehearsing like, and yeah, coming up with uh, I guess before Josh and I joined, there's a lot more like it's true bouncing back and forth of ideas and and uh, riffs and whatnot. But um seems like with this lineup it's more um getting together and yeah, it's a little more visceral. It's coming up with something that you know, putting sounds together or whatever and seeing what works and building a song out of that. Which is a lot more helpful, you know. Yeah. yeah it's fairly organic in terms of how the things are coming together. So you guys are like going down a jam band route now? Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's pretty much what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> Working on the structure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, commenter. <laughs> Wait for uh, our next image change. <laughs> so, circling back to um, Terminal a little bit, where, what inspired, uh, it's primarily your project, Ryan. Mm -hmm. what, what inspired you to, to do that? Um, I... I lived in San Diego for 10 years through the 90s, and I was in a bunch of experimental bands then. <clears throat> and I used to book shows and uh, participated in, you know, playing shows. And and uh, I mean, there was there's a a long history of um, musicians that have come out of San Diego, but it's not really like the environment for. Yeah. Uh, it's like very. Why? And there's the, there's like a yeah there's there's this dichotomy between like the whole like Republican military complex and yeah and then there was a extreme counterculture at the same time so hmm. there's a pretty interesting like hardcore movement and and you know like Boyd Rice was from there and Diamante Gloss and all these people but um, doing experimental music down there isn't really like that uh you know fruitful <laughs> and if, really? you, if you want people to <laughs> you know appreciate what you're doing or show up or anything so right when i uh, i moved up here around 99 2000 and i moved into this house with this guy uh and he was already running it as a space that they did occasional shows um and his one is called Tomain Temple. Uh, 
and then we kind of had a uh, falling out, mm. as it were. And uh, <laughs> so he left, and I took it over full time after that, and and started doing shiz much more often, and uh, kind of shifted more towards experimental stuff. But even up here, there wasn't really that much experimental music happening, especially not in venues or anything like that. So, um, but there is, there was a thriving warehouse scene. So, um, I guess I just started asking people to do experimental sets and it just started taking off. So do you, um, are these mostly people that you're familiar with or do people send you demos or how, how does the booking process go? Kind of everything, like, um, you know, people will contact me on, uh, you know, via email from like some other person who's played or, or they heard about the place or, um, I mean, back in like the early 2000s, you know, I'd get like phone calls randomly from people and, uh, cause I had a lot more actual bands like death rock bands and kind of like uh electronic bands or um you know it was kind of like a more of a mix i still have you know metal bands and whatnot play but uh over the years it kind of focused more on experimental and noise and industrial and stuff so um yeah it just uh just kind of like built over the years and you know, people would just get in touch and or uh friends would you know say they're coming through town whatever yeah. and just set something up so since we're kind of talking about this diy mentality where you know if something doesn't exist if you think something should exist you just fucking do it who else is going to do it like where where did you what was your first moment and I guess you know every anybody who wants to answer this can what was the first time that you realized that that this was an option for you how did you get into like you know a lot of people get in through experimental music which I'm sure some of you did and realizing hey I can do this like or you know a lot of people came through punk rock like what was the first moment where you remember well fuck I can just I can make this happen uh, probably seeing hardcore shiz. Like for me, it was in the in the late '80s. I used to see punk bands and um, experimental bands for that time. You know, like in uh, old armories or um, you know boys and girls clubs or <laughs> or whatever. Like, uh, um, I mean, there that was kind of like when it came about was in the 80s and people in the hardcore scene would just set up shows wherever you know at a house in a garage or whatever and um i guess by the time i started playing in the early 90s uh just started doing shows at rehearsal spaces or houses or whatever and just continued from there yeah the same house shows or shows at, in high school gyms 
back in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. And did you guys have, like, um, um, like, did you take guitar lessons or have any traditional musical background? No. No, yeah. I still don't play an actual <laughs> instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you know, what, what gave you the idea that you could make music? I actually, so, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd been in a punk band in the 90s. And, um, but, you know, that, I grew out of that. Actually, what got me into making experimental music is I was moving. <laughs> and, uh. I broke my turntable. Hmm. Uh, it started playing everything at three and a third instead of 33 and a wow. third. So I was just like, at the time, I'd already been listening to a bunch of noise. And uh, <laughs> like I just recorded it. And like that, and then of course it righted itself and fixed itself. <laughs> and, and it was just like the quest to get that sound again. Which right. of course now I don't care about that. But like, it just sounds... It's not that great of a sound to begin with, but that actually was what got the gears turning in my head. Interesting. I remember when when I was young, my my uh, grandparents uh, had a printing business. They would print uh, pamphlets and stuff for like the Teamsters down in LA, and uh, you know, before the days of the internet and Kinkos and all that kind of stuff. You actually had to go to a printing press. And so they owned all this machinery. And after school, I would go there and I would sit in the print shop and just hear all these fucking machines going at the same time, mm -hmm. overlapping with each other. And like the cutting machine going like, and I would just listen and create the beats in my head. And, you know, at that time I was like, you know, a kid. I was like into Michael Jackson and stuff like that. But when I started making music, you know, myself, I found myself like just like making these sounds in my head and being like not necessarily consciously trying to recreate the sound of the printing press, but it was just so deeply ingrained into my my psyche that it just sort of defined everything that I was doing. It's really interesting how something as insignificant as like your turntable gets fucked up can be the thing that opens up this world to you. Nobody else thinks so. <laughs> Miracles exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what music concrete is based on is kind of like accidents and errors and like the beauty in that. Mm. And like how, I don't know, things that are decaying can be more beautiful than things that are intentional. So. So a lot of you, I'm guessing, outside of music, do other artistic endeavors. What are some of the things that uh, that you do when you're not making music? Sit around. <laughs> <laughs> do a lot of uh, freelance graphic design work for friends, friends' bands, labels, record labels, and just help help with them, help promote their their work. You know. And do you do do you design your own um, cover art and stuff like that? A lot of the time, yeah. But at this point, um, 
we know so many people who are talented and just need to get some, some we need to really get some of their great work out there. So we're trying to get, I, I have some, we have some surprises. Oh but, yeah? Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just getting other people involved is, is, is a great part of what we do too. You know, people who are equally, equally talented or even more so in certain fields. And it's just acknowledging that. But yeah, I, I, work, I do that for a living now. Walk my dog, <laughs> hang out with my lady. It's pretty basic. <laughs> and so I know you guys have uh, your space in Oakland, but do all of you guys live over there? Andy I, and I live in Terminal. I live in Oakland. I actually live in San Francisco, not super far from here. So one of the previous episodes that we had, we were talking a lot about um, gentrification and um, the role of artists in society and this sort of cyclical uh, process of, of artists seeking out spaces where they can sort of like, you know, afford to live and afford to, you know, delve into their craft and by the sheer act of that, and then people then becoming interested in what they're doing, it jumpstarts this process of gentrification that eventually uh, results in the death of that particular area that was once the hotbed. Um, and I don't know, can we talk about where Terminal is? Is this gonna get into anybody, anybody into trouble with the popo or what? Uh, I think it's fine. Okay. I mean, it's <laughs> it's... It's um, in East Oakland, let's just say, um, in an area that is not very populated. There aren't a lot of people around there. There's not a lot of businesses around there. It's close to a BART station, but still it's one of the, one of the places that hasn't quite been gentrified in Oakland yet. Um, do you see this process happening in that area? Like, do you see that because the artists are sort of doing all this stuff there that it's attracting it's it? It's been there for a long time, though. Like, I think there's been artists in that neighborhood for a real long time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think the... Sh it, it's, it always goes in waves, you know. This is the second time I've lived in this neighborhood. And um, it goes in waves of, like, it's, you know, just the city in general be, like, more violent or more peaceful and it, just, it changes all the time but I kind of I there's nowhere to really it's not like the mission where there's tons of places to hang out and it just turns yeah. into this like you know hipster land it's like there's nowhere to hang out yeah there's nothing there's some taquerias yeah and it is pretty there's desolate this, there's it's like not as central as the mission yeah where and it's also you yeah. can access it from any direction. More yeah, or less. yeah. Like downtown Oakland, obviously that's easy to get to. There, it's just like yeah, there's not. It's kind of tucked away. Um, and over the last fifteen years, I've seen uh, more kind of like art, artistic types, um, move into the neighborhood, and more girls. <laughs> which is nice but um, yeah 
it still doesn't feel like it's even close to really like taking off and being, you know, becoming like a mecca of, you know, artists or whatever. I mean, there's a lot more um, kind of like Burning Man types yeah, that I yeah. see going to the warehouses that are a little bit farther down from us. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. There's also no galleries or anything down there to like. Well, except for like the like in-house right of, like, like galleries. yeah we'll have you know, but there's no like actual galleries to like draw attention um yeah <clears throat> there was a cafe that opened up for about six months or something oh yeah <laughs> and how'd <laughs> and that turn out <laughs> it was nice for a little while it was about two blocks from our house and it's like you know i you know i think they try they try but it's just that the neighborhood is there's (laughs) you know the city's always trying to like gentrify everything yeah like there's there's just certain areas where it's just not gonna it's not gonna hold it's just or at least i i hope not so you can't really see it uh ever becoming totally gentrified well in the late 90s there was all this talk about it becoming the next mission and a bunch of bars came in and then just went under. So, um, and then I just keep seeing places that seem promising come in and unless it's like, um, kind of like aligned with what is already established there. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it really works out. I mean, maybe in, a decade or two or three or something, but I don't know. They're trying to, it seems like the city's trying to push for the Coliseum to become something, but yeah, I, that's <laughs> going to be a rough one too. <laughs> that is a tough sound. <laughs> I just don't really see like what that something I think, is. It, you know, it's like West Oakland makes sense that it would, it would yeah. creep into that because it's so close to downtown and what's going on there. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they got a long ways to go. Yeah, a long ways to go. <laughs> well, do you, are you guys? Do you feel like you're influenced by your environment in the music that you create? Do you think that it is uh, being inspired by the stuff that you see every day, or the environment that you're in uh, in that part of Oakland? Yeah, it, it must rub off. I mean, we're right by the tracks. So we are trains just like barreling through all the time. Yeah, Damn. we have the Bart in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> like a couple of thoroughfares. by like, so just constant train roaring all the time. 80. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard not to be influenced by your surroundings, you know. Not, you know, in a positive way or in a negative way or whatever. But, yeah, no matter where you are. If you're a creative mind, you know, it's going to seep into this like, you know, Let's put it this way, we're not making any woodland music in time, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing against that. I'm our just saying. Album is yeah. The <laughs> Neo Folk Jam Band album. For, yeah. Whenever this the area gentrifies. Yeah. <laughs> They'll start doing a they bluegrass did just put honky some, tonk. Some trees in the neighborhood, and oh, a couple nice. of them were stolen. Immediately. Yeah, like, stolen <laughs> trees. Yeah, they were just like ripped straight out of the ground and taken somewhere. It's kind of like wow. That is just how that exactly that neighborhood. 
Huh. <laughs> that just like is everything you need to yeah, know right there. I, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you fence stolen trees out of curiosity? <laughs> I mean, we I I live in East Oakland, but I live a little bit closer to the hills, and we have a lot of a lot of people that come from some of the less affluent parts of Oakland to rob people in my neighborhood and the surrounding areas. Um, so do you do you notice like a lot of crime in your area or is it sort of <laughs> yeah. like well we were living right next door to a abandoned house that had like several at least like one or 20, two hookers at least living in there pulled like 20 people out of there and yeah there were, it was a meth den it was just it was a nightmare and they had they just had like completely like sunk their claws into the place like it right they had uh decorated you know um <laughs> like it was it, they'd like be smoking speed on the on the porch and and like you leave the door wide open and yeah yeah you know, they had like christmas lights in there and and uh when they were finally pulled out they put up a sign like illegal uh eviction or something like that it's like wow I mean, so yeah we do see a little bit <laughs> <laughs> the occasional gunshot the usual well, yeah, it, we had a gun pulled on us. Oh yeah, from that <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had a gun pulled on me, not too far. Well, up Fruitvale a bit, but one of the reasons I moved away and then eventually I came back. But um, that was not fun. But it's a fact of life in yeah. Oakland. You gotta you gotta get used to it in a certain <laughs> certain respect. You have to be aware of your surroundings, and you gotta Definitely. be aware that like. You know, some shit can go down at any moment. And when you live in a place like San Francisco, you can get this false uh, sense of security, I guess, that everything is hunky-dory and it, it's very safe and you can walk around without really thinking about what you're doing and you can yeah. be drunk. But, I mean, I, I don't like to live like that. So to <laughs> me, like the the sort of reality of, fuck, I better like better not be like walking with giant headphones on right now in the middle of the night like i need to be aware of what's happening around me and be present in the moment i shouldn't be walking around looking at my phone the whole time keeps you sharp it does keep <laughs> you sharp <laughs> but i just wonder like for a lot of a lot of black metal bands and i'm just gonna you know use this genre as an example are influenced by the darker aspects of society and making commentary on um, the uglier side of human nature and things that other people like to sort of push under the rug. So I wonder what about um, what about the environment and the reality of living in Oakland um, is interesting to you guys because I, I mean when I listen to your music I definitely you know when I listen to Burzum or some some other like Norwegian black metal I definitely like see snow I see like trees in fog I see like blizzards and I see like people in robes like going through this fucking you know it, it evokes the environment and when I listen to your guys's music I definitely hear uh it's a lot more urban sounding to me. Um, it's 
a lot more uh, rooted in you know these sort of calm moments that are then interrupted by noise and to me that you know maybe it's just because I live in Oakland but to me that is very evocative of Oakland so what about the city is the most interesting to you I think it's there's just like a there's just a thriving scene there of everything every type of music that you could want and I don't know there's just a there's a different attitude there it's just like a it's like a little bit more like real yeah real like yeah. people are, are uh, I mean not to say everyone's this way but like you know there's like a little less fakeness a little bit more reality yeah. in everybody there than like say San Francisco or wherever else but it's not to say that bad stuff doesn't happen here oh for I sure mean, people yeah you'll be walking down mission and you'll get your face kicked in you know i mean yeah. you hear about negative stuff all the time but you know what you were saying like what you said you've had everybody i think everybody here has had a gun pulled on them yeah um and i think it keeps you rooted in reality and how ugly the human condition really is desperation and how beautiful it could be because you know where else can you go get a fancy sandwich and then turn the corner and watch a guy shooting up and then yeah have another guy like pull a gun on you it's it's um, it's it's very very real but you know not to say that oakland's all like no 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of like beautiful things about the city too yeah for sure i i definitely get kind of tired of being in the bay area and yeah i'll go on tour and i always I'm really happy to come back. Yeah. Know? And it, it's almost as if, like, I, I, I'll go on a trip and, and realize, you know, while I'm gone, like, what I like about the Bay Area. So. It's just everything. You have access to anything you could want to get into, pretty much. Yeah. That's right. Like, you can get as urban as you want, and you can get as far away from people as you want all within the same city, all within the city limits, you know? And go from the beach to the mountains yeah. in, like, yeah. yeah, no time. Are all of you from California originally? Yes. Yeah. Right. Even Josh? Yes. Yes. He's Even actually Josh. originally from the East Bay. Oh, yeah. So. Alameda. <laughs> He's Alameda's that awesome as well. <laughs> yes. Born in Oakland. Alameda's like a... A weird, like, kind of twilight zone it's like of the a Bay lost, Area. Lost it's like town. Weird, it's like, like Smallville. Time yeah. bubble. It's just like the fifties. Yeah, there. it feels. I think like it's that. where that plane. Went. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know let's, where the plane. Let's went. not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk about yeah. that. But. Yeah, uh, Alameda's like. Um, my friend said it pretty well. It's where rockabillies go to die. Yeah. <laughs> but but now. That now, wasn't now true. Is, I mean, yeah. there wasn't even a place just, for that to happen before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this weird, you like, can edit that part pristine out, right? <laughs> and, like, it's a very beautiful city. It looks like the Midwest, but it's all just, like, you know, guys with tattoos and pompadours, like, fixing cars in the front of their house. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, the last 10 years. Oh, yeah? There, that didn't exist when... What was it like? Was it was it rough and tumble when you were born in Alameda? Not rough and tumble. <laughs> definitely more small town, like, nothing happened Right. There. 
tumbleweed kind of town. It's interesting to have that so close to Oakland and not just so close to Oakland, but so close to like the parts of Oakland that are, you know, not as desirable as others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yeah, like three blocks from Alameda or something. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff that goes on in our neighborhood does not, not get, doesn't does not cross the bridge. It's, it's very interesting. Like, <laughs> but they know, I mean, they look at us like, you know, these guys are from Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'd say like every like fifth time that I go to Alameda, there's a DUI checkpoint on the like way out of Alameda. Yeah. So like they know there's like two or three ways out and they're just yeah. going to bottleneck you there. But it's to me, it's very interesting that you can have this environment that is like very, very, you know, by all accounts, peaceful and quiet and very middle America right next to what, you know, the general public considers to be one of the most violent cities in the U.S., which I think is not, you know, maybe not a really true statement, but it is an interesting thing that how, you know, how come it's like this here and then, you know, like a hundred feet of water away, it's It's wild west. It's tropical island. <laughs> sitting in the bay the estuary it's, like some kind yeah. of like magical <laughs> convergence of salt and fresh water creates <laughs> pure evil resides in the waters of the estuary <laughs> but are you guys like very um, politically minded or is it no. not something that you really are interested in not especially. I mean, there's certain <laughs> things that, of course, I pay attention to, but I go in waves of, of caring, and then I just get fed up, and I stop caring. <laughs> it's too like, frustrating to follow, for me, anyway. Yeah. So I just block it out. Like, Do you think that, like, you're... This is going to be a little bit abstract, so forgive me, but... Do you think, in a way, the disillusionment with the way things are is one of the things that kind of uh, forces you to start to create this own world for yourself oh, that totally, like makes yeah. sense for you? That yeah. I mean, there's so much fucked up things going on in the world. It's like... And it's hard to know because what we know is what what's presented. Yeah, you can go to various sources, especially with the internet, and even then, it's kind of like well. I'm reading this in this country, mm-hmm. and they and, uh, and yet I'm reading this here. And it, it's it's hard to say, but you know, you know, it's good to have options, and it's good to be aware of what's going on. You know, I have this like weird, you know, stoner mentality where like to me everything is connected. So like when I hear sure. about, you know, what you're what you were just saying, it, to me what I hear is. Um, it's basically the same thing as as taking something like uh, we were talking about a steel drum earlier, like you know, <laughs> taking what what is a you know a very uh, prototypical instrument for a certain type of music, and taking it completely out of context and presenting it in a way that it takes on a different meaning and a different you know emotional impact. Uh, in a lot of ways that is 
what media is, is taking things and uh, packaging them for a certain purpose or to accomplish a certain goal or to sell a certain thing and making it work for that reality, uh, which to me ties into what, what you guys do musically is taking things that aren't you know, necessarily you know, uh, traditional music and turning it into something that is you know, compelling to listen to. Is this something that you guys are are conscious of? Is how how you are uh, taking things and presenting them to the world, and and sort of you know in the artistic sense uh, play with that a lot. I, I sorry I, for I the stunner question. Speak but. for everybody, but I think yes and no. I mean, I think a lot of it is about kind of presenting a different perspective in terms of a musical output. I mean, a lot of it is kind of also about, like, sensory overload, I would think, like, in terms of when we play with, like, a full wall of fog. I mean, yeah, it's not just about sound. It's kind of, I don't know, it's a very encompassing experience. And I think a lot of it is not just about, you know, it's kind of moving away from the idea of, like, traditional music and and approaching people from a different perspective of sound. Well, kind what, of taking those those forms. That? What's that? What interests you about about doing that as opposed to you know picking up a guitar and strumming, you know, traditional chord structure and writing a a chorus and a verse and a bridge and well, etc. Listen, when when you go to a show or just walk through everyday reality, it's there in front of you. You take it for what it exactly is, but when you deprive somebody or people of the norm, literally veil it. And, you know, sensory deprivation, you, you can't see something, you're, it's, gonna, it's going to heighten your other senses. It, it kind of forces you to pay attention whether or not, you know, you're aware of it. You, you will adjust to it and you'll pick up things that you did not pick up you know, prior to that state. And I think, you know, it's kind of weird that, I'm not going to go into the media and how how it has parallels to that, but uh, why why not? <laughs> I mean, that's a, long, know, that's a longer yeah, answer, but uh. well, shit, man, we got all the time in the world. <laughs> we do actually strum guitars and well, it's true. despite what that. people believe. Yeah. No, 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 that's it's true. But I but think it does go a, beyond yeah. that. I think it is about a bigger experience. I yeah. think it's more of an experiential thing, like. I don't know. Taking it's, people it's, out of their element and yeah, it's yeah. it's about discomfort and about like making people you know not being a passive audience member and kind of you know seeing their place in the in the room yeah or in the environment. People have also said you know I felt like I was the only one in that room, which I think again is another. It's it could be a good thing or a bad thing if you're afraid of being alone, but <laughs> you know to just say, oh, well, to feel comfortable and say, oh, well, I was able to just stand there and enjoy it. You know, yeah. Often when you go to shows, you're just surrounded, you know, by people. It's hard to move. It's pretty undesirable at times, but... But, I mean, I think that also follows with some of the themes that we're, we're working on, like the idea of isolation and kind of consumption and things like that. But The human yeah. condition, you know, take it, removing you from that equation, and then once it's over, you're back... You know, how does it feel? <laughs> Pretty miserable. 
<laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, what what to you is is so important about taking someone out of their reality? Why is that necessary? I mean, I have my own reasons, but I want to hear what you what you guys have to say about it. When I play, I mean, this is I'm just speaking for myself, but yeah. I usually uh, am kind of creating the environment that I want to be in so people can join me if they want, but like in a completely immersed room, you know, filled with fog and stroboscopic lights and all that stuff and all this, you know, chaotic sound and stuff is kind of like a for lack of a better term, like a happy place for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm really only performing for myself and anyone who's out in the audience, like they can join in. I think it's something we all strive for is to like be disconnected from reality for a minute. It's just, I mean, it's why we're, we're a culture that's obsessed with media, obsessed with music movies, TV, art, everything. It's because we, we're looking for that disconnection from just our everyday plodding, yeah. boring, grinding lives. Um, I think that, that's the whole reason any of, like, we do music or we make music is because it's an escape from just the stuff we have to think I don't know you know like I'd be nice I'll go to the show and I don't have to think about fucking bills for an hour yeah you know <laughs> so to like do it to push it to the extremes that we push it it's just a natural progression to me and I mean and that goes for like noise music too it's just like a natural progression to like extreme of Disconnecting, drowning out, or the, uh, reconnecting. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. like you can disconnect from reality, but it doesn't mean you're disconnecting from yourself and like, what's yeah. going on. Yeah. But I think that's some of the most important or in, like most interesting parts about like a a show or like a performance experience is the people that aren't coming in there for that experience and like pulling them in, like making it that much more like encompassing or that much more like immersive and kind of changing their minds about or not giving them a choice and bringing them to the fold of everything that's happening. I mean, I think that's kind of what we're doing too, is creating this over overarching experience that goes beyond just music. So, now, You mentioned like escaping reality in a sense and something that is that is interesting to me is how in a way our reality is defined by media and how media is sort of seen as as an escape from reality, but it really it is the thing that defines reality. Mm -hmm. And by sort of forcing people to to acknowledge things other than this like sort of mainstream um, construct of what you know this is what music is, and this is what a movie is, and a TV show, and this is what radio is, and all these very defined things and 
saying, well, okay, but this is music too. And it doesn't have to have this preordained, uh, you know, verse, chorus, verse structure. And it doesn't have to, you know, always have a melody or a harmony or, you know, these traditional things is in a way you're sort of taking someone out of the false construct of reality and forcing them back into acknowledging the real world in a way forced introspection well yeah i mean to me i i think that's kind of that's an important thing i mean to me that's what this podcast is all about is is that in my opinion people have become very complacent with the way things are and that uh the way you interact with music, the way you value art and things like that, that is to me not a, not a healthy thing. It doesn't reward the people that are actually changing the world, that are creating the art, that are out there contributing to culture and society. Uh, so to take, to take people out of that mindset and be able to put them in a sort of new new version of reality where you see the artist that you whose you know music you enjoy you get to hear what their perspective is on things and get to see that hey these are real people that are doing this for a reason and by supporting them i can you know advance uh their study so to speak you know like um like uh someone would get a grant to do a research project or something like that i I think of artists as in the same way that their their job is to take culture, pick it apart, and internalize it in a way that they be able to uh, pull away certain uh, understandings and certain um, perspectives, and then show it back to people so that they can then also take part in that. Because not everyone has the time to do that. Not everyone has the talent to do that. And it's the place of artists in our culture to be able to to do that for people and provide them with this alternate take on reality. Uh, so the idea of disrupting the established way of doing things and forcing people to accept it and and internalize it the way they would any other thing is you know helps people grow and helps people expand their their understanding of the world and you know i don't know if you guys get this heady about stuff when you're when you're thinking about music and if and you're uh, thinking about what ultimately you want to do um what impact you want to have is it is that something that you guys are even thinking about like what kind of what print do we want to leave on the world what you know what do we want to contribute i definitely think about it I mean, it's part of the artistic drive to, like, want to leave a mark. And not, like, immortality or, like, whatever like that, or, like, fame or anything, but to, like, express yourself in a way that is, like, all right, there it is. That's me. Because you're probably not going to have kids, so... (laughs) (laughs) hopefully we'll leave a slew of records (laughs) well where do you think that drive comes from 
Because not everybody has it. I think maybe it is like a a, a little bit of like a, a quest for some like immortality in a way of just being like you know you think about like just you don't want to just die and, and it didn't make a difference whether or not you're here or not you were just another cog in the machine I mean some people are just not happy with that so create <laughs> yeah kind of move out of complacency have some sort of shadow or a voice whatever that is do you guys like remember having this drive like you know when you were young yeah. was it something you were born with or did you gain it over time definitely yeah. I, think so. <laughs> I grew up in a very musical family so it was already just part of the atmosphere um, it was just like oh yeah that's just the way it is so I remember yeah um, from a young age, like, you know, seeing my dad's records and being like, oh, yeah, I want to do that some, some point in my life. And everyone in my, like, my brother and sister, musicians too. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was definitely, like, just part of the atmosphere growing up for me. Well, recognizing that, you know, we all have the, ability to be creative and especially if, you know you you do understand that you're, you're doing more than consuming and you know being you know average then it definitely gives you an extra drive to get out there and you know bond with like minds just make make stuff happen I think that's how it has always been the people that came before us and the people that came before them, you know. You just don't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's completely selfless, at least for, for oh, myself. No. I mean, it's also, it's a release, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's a way to to let out a creative energy and a voice, so. All, all of the artists that I know, and, you know, myself included, the act of creating art and the act of doing what we do, whatever that is, seems to come from an, in, an internal drive, like you mentioned. Like, it's not something that you really have control of. It's something that is in there, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. But if you don't acknowledge it, it sort of starts to destroy your life. Like, you, you can't be right unless you're, like, letting that out. And I know that you guys are, you guys use a lot of like occult esoteric symbolism in your music and you reference uh, ancient religion and all these sort of, you know, semi-spiritual things. Do you think that there is something that exists out there that we tune into or that, that sort of dictates how, you know, who we might become? Deep questions here. <laughs> um. I'll, I'll kind of put it into perspective for you. Like, I've talked to a lot of songwriters who, you know, write folk music or, or whatever, whatever it is they write. And uh, visual artists as well that the best kind of 
songwriting is when it comes to them and it seems almost fully formed when it's coming to them. And where that thing came from is like a mystery, but they're the conduit right. through which it's coming through. Do you guys ever feel that that's something that is happening to you? Definitely. All the time. Especially in my solo sets. And that's like the whole goal, in fact, of all my solo sets is to to do that. I try, I intentionally don't practice or, or come up with a set before I come in or before I play so my uh, solo thing. So Because I want to tap into that. It's the entire goal. <laughs> And if it sounds good, great, but like. And also that in experimental music, you know, with us and um, other bands that we do and stuff, we don't necessarily write songs. So a lot right. of it's open to improvisation and, you know, you could say like channeling um, that kind of like energy and, uh, I mean, we could, we don't write a set necessarily. We, we might have ideas, but um, that we can kind of like fall into or whatever. But most of it is just kind of like spontaneous. It's and different for this band, though. Maybe we're yeah. just talking about like us individually and what we do. Yeah. But the band is like very much like they might, we might yeah. get criticism for not being very structured, but they're actually songs. They're no, yeah, play the structures. same every time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely well, think, kind of. I mean, well, there's they're not like like rock songs or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> counts. They're it's closer all, to rock terrible. songs than anything I've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> not, not me. But. <laughs> well, yeah, you actually were in bands. <laughs> bands. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with, like, more than just yourself, you have to develop a sort of way to communicate with each other in a way to signify, all right, we're moving on to this section now, and, okay, we're changing cadence here, whatever. Yeah, it's a very high form of communication because it's more than just, like, oh, you know, it's not just talking, especially the way what Ryan was saying, you know, if, if we're just jamming develop new stuff new ideas it's is it there's there are some moments where it's just like okay cool that spoke to everyone that's it working on that now talking about things like you know the artistic drive that we were talking about do you believe in in things like reincarnation where like perhaps that is something that you know has resided within you from a past? Another deep question, Chris. <laughs> All about deep questions. I did want to call this podcast Deep Thoughts, but it was already, <laughs> Jack already Andy, taken Andy. Or Jack Handy. Cosmos, yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty complicated thought, actually. When you think about, if you bring it, if you bring it on a surface level, you know, like, where's this bottle going? How many of these bottles are there? And it's just going to be another bottle once it's gone, once it's served its purpose. You know, and how many bottles is it distributing to? You know, I don't know. That's that's not what I'm saying is the truth. But that's right. that's just one. It's it's one perspective. 
that's, I don't think that's something that should be approached from a singular perspective either. Who knows? I mean, I think the idea of cycles are definitely like yeah. thematic. I wouldn't put it yeah. too specific. And definitely the ideas of life and death and the interactions between them, but I wouldn't say we have a very strong hold in terms of our opinion like on it, so it's... But yeah, those those things come definitely influence the, the work. I mean, I ask these like weird sort of like, you know, um, deep questions because you guys do sort of um, use a lot of mythology in your in your music and delve into some of these sort of occult ways of thinking. Um, and, you know, a lot of ancient alchemy and stuff is based on these concepts and and I I mean at least I identify a lot of that stuff in the music that you guys make so I feel like it's it would be interesting to to sort of delve into some of these things a little bit and it's it's hard to bring them out in our in in our culture t the way it exists today you know we we're talking about it being defined by media a lot and we've sort of been in the last like you know 50 years or so we've been living in like a very uh practical scientific um material reality um and i i, I see now a lot of people sort of using art to, to challenge that in a way and take it to another another level where and explore some of these things that you know maybe aren't provable aren't you know you can't verify them with the scientific method but you know every musician if every musician that i talk to says yeah dude i'm like i feel like this shit just exists out there and it you know i'm plugging into it you know then that proves it in a way there, yeah there's something to that you can't ignore that like all these people are experiencing the same thing. It's like, um, you know, I don't know if you guys are into psychedelics or anything like that, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there are certain psychedelics where a lot of people report seeing or feeling the same things. And mm, yeah. it gets you to the level where, where you have to sort of confront that and say, well, there must be something to this. You know, not everyone is going to be seeing a snake unless there's like something there that's like that everyone is tuning into and it's not just based on your own you know brain firing off based on your experiences which is the scientific you know understanding of what hallucinating is but you know acknowledging that there may be these things out there that we you know are are sort of tuning out in in the way we're interacting with reality yeah I mean, I know they are out there. Yeah. Kevin and I have shared. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, seeing things, we've had, we've had experiences um, on tour. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes and in a sober state. So I know that yeah. huh. things exist. That, yeah, maybe maybe for our own sanity's sake, half the time we're we tune it out. 
And as we become like, tired or whatever else, we're let our defenses are down for whatever reason. We actually, which I don't think everyone sees stuff, but right, some people are more sensitive than others. Yeah, but um, no, I fully believe. Well, what are the some of the things that you guys have experienced? Not you know, you don't have to get too specific, but we you know. both saw uh, Iowa City. Yeah, uh, we both saw. A basically like the the front of a person, like the outline of a person running across the street mm. several times. It was it was a to <laughs> clarify, it wasn't it was like a shadow. Yeah, basically, it was yeah. like the front of a shadow of a person. We but, saw the same thing. No, no judging here, by the way. No yeah. judging. Knock <laughs> yeah, no. me like you crazy motherfuckers. But, <laughs> I, I mean, that was not the first time no. Andy has seen. Huh something similar I it's s- definitely not the first I time saw the first time I remember actually seeing something that got me actually thinking about this and like going reading more into it was um, maybe in like 98 or 9 maybe it's 2000 I can't remember I was working at Amoeba Music in Berkeley okay. and there was a um, there's this homeless man that we would see all the time. He just kind of like walking around, no shoes, never said anything to anyone. Just walked all around Berkeley and Oakland like all day, every day. He was arrested and um, he was put into a cell with uh, (laughs) just somebody that they were, I don't even know why they would put him in the cell with this guy, but like, Basically, the, his cellmate ended up smashing his brains open, eating his brains, breaking open his chest, and, like, Jesus. decorating the cell with his, like, entrails. Uh, you could look it up. It's, wow. <laughs> it's ter- Do you know? Three, like, days, three, days, after, three days after I read um, about this happening, I saw the homeless man who wow. was... I saw him walk right, right in front of me, and wow. I like I was just like, what the? And I followed him, and he turned the corner and it was gone. What is? How can we look this up? What are some things <laughs> that like, like uh, the story is crazy? I mean, no, it's nuts. I mean, it was in the papers, and it's not every day that someone you know and in decorates. Berkeley. Yeah, exactly. In Berkeley like, too. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, you know, as weird as Berkeley is, it's not known for. Yeah, that kind of weird. At least not all the time. Not all the time. Um, Everything in moderation. That was the first time that actually got me thinking seriously about, you know, like what we are and what happens after. I mean, what you know, some people will say, "Oh, that was just a psychic imprint of him, like walking through." That's something you're so used to seeing, but. No, I mean, <laughs> it was clear as day, and it was in such a violent manner that that uh, his death. That I'm like, it's it makes perfect sense that that would happen to me. I don't know. Um, that was the first time uh, I'd seen something that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, many many other things not as not as like clear and vivid as that but yeah 
So I, f I fully believe that there's something there that we don't see. And then, like, maybe with the aid of psychedelics or whatever else, yeah. um, your brain, your defenses are down, and you'll see more of, like, the reality, more of the inner, like, the energy flows of yeah. just the universe. Just alters the frequency, our, our natural frequency, into closer to theirs. I'll find that. I'll, I'll look that up and I'll, I'll send you yeah, a link to the article. Definitely send me that. <laughs> That's a crazy story. I mean, yeah. Wow. It, and was this just jail or was this prison? Yeah, it was jail. It was like Holy downtown shit. Berkeley jail. Like downtown he was, Berkeley as a jail? Well, yeah. Like it was the Berkeley Police Department. Okay. Wow. <laughs> like he was, uh, apparently the, the, the other prisoner, the one that ate him, was waiting to be transferred to something Wow. But they left him in there with him overnight. That's some serious, like, Hannibal Lecter shit. Right yeah. <laughs> That's, like, not some shit you hear about every day. No. Wow. Yeah, this was, I want to say this was, like, 98. Wow. 99. But, yeah. <laughs> so, when you, when you experienced this stuff and you started looking into it, like, what was your... What were you... What were you finding and what was resonating with you? Like, what... Did you arrive at something where you, where you, a point where you were able to say, okay, now I sort of get this, or is it still a mystery? I mean, I think it's one of those things that it's gonna, I'm going to be reading into my entire life. And I, I mean, I, I get it because I believe it, because I've seen it and I know it's true, but like, I don't get, I don't understand. I don't think it's something we can ever fully understand. Um, because no one's come back to tell us what happens when <laughs> after we die. Yeah. Um. And, but I do definitely. I believe it's more than you know. You know, people say that you release DMT into your brain when you die, and then all the all these like visions of an afterlife that yeah. people get when they are going to die but make it is just the DMT. I don't know if I don't I don't think so yeah uh, yeah I mean that still doesn't explain why people on that do DMT see many people see the same, same thing, thing. Yeah. you know that doesn't Heard. you know still doesn't explain that fact no. so. <laughs> and it doesn't explain the fact that I saw someone who'd been eaten walk, <laughs> walk right in front of me <laughs> Were you were you already sort of into to the darker side of things at that point? Um, yeah, you know, I'd had interest. I was, you know, but I think that's what definitely made me more serious about it. It was just like a passing thing. Oh, this is cool, or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, this is it's cool because it's edgy or whatever. But that that actually was a turning point for me making me actually think about things and take things more seriously rather than just you know oh like a fucking a costume basically some which is a lot true for a lot of people it's just like a costume right to like believe in dark yeah yeah but having actually experienced it 
and many things since then. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a turning point. Well, a lot of, um, you know, you, you read or hear interviews with a lot of the, like, uh, very occult-focused bands, like black metal bands and stuff like that, that are very into ritual and mm. things like this. Is Do you guys think of your music as ritual? Is it, are you doing things, you know, specifically to achieve a certain end? Times. I think that's an aspect of it, but um, not, that's not the entire intent. I mean, it definitely, like, you know, changing the room, changing the mood of the room. Yeah. Using, like, heavy sonics and, you know, making, vis you know, like, lighting. And that's that's ritual in itself. Right, that's yeah. whole. That's the whole purpose of ritual in general is to change the mood of the room to achieve some sort of mental state. Mm. I mean, it's it's rarely... It's rarely what the ritual is. It's more the, the mental state mm. that you that you're trying to achieve. And yeah, I think that that that, that definitely plays into what we do. Um, whether it's intentional or not, it's something that we're aiming for. And in a way, it becomes the ritual. But as far as like, do we sit around in robes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, did you bring your robes? That's wow. <laughs> my bag. No, that's there, not. That's not the dry clean. It's at the dry cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that idea of like reaching different consciousness with sound and music is, I mean, it's definitely part of it. But I don't. I don't think it's the traditional sense of creating a ritual with that. I mean, I think it has an influence, but it's not one and the same. I mean, we we heard about and some of Andy's experiences. What did any of other of you have an experience that sort of led you into this idea that there is more out there? Well, first, I guess the the natural question is like, did a lot of extreme music comes in the form of rebellion against something? Mm -hmm. um, so, did you guys come up in like a religious upbringing where? were you very much so oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think initially that was part of why I got into metal and things was a rebellion against that um, as I get older I care less uh, but you know like yeah definitely like for me at least came from super religious family um And yeah, it, it it has a weird skewing effect on you as far as like what you have a knee jerk reaction against. Um, which is why you know like it took that instance. Like I was stern atheist until I saw that. Hmm. Um, well, how did you how did you come to terms with with that? With the sort of like, it fucked me up. <laughs> it like really fucked me up. Calling your parents, like, I'm so sorry. No, no, it wasn't like that. Because I mean, for one, they wouldn't like they're they're 
religious backgrounds, they wouldn't, they would have actually thought that that, that, you know, either, like, I was crazy, or, uh, that that was, like, a demon or something like that, right, you know, right. like, that, it, it, like, I think it opened up my mind to other avenues other than what mm. my, I was, like, brought up with, and then my stern, my reaction to it, which was, you know, to become an atheist. Um, but it just, like, I think it just brought me back in the center, you know, I was brought up on the far one way, and I went far the other way. Hmm. Do you still consider yourself an atheist, or? No. Um, but uh, I guess closest would maybe be agnostic, but I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Which I guess is the definition yeah. <laughs> of agnostic. <coughs> um, but yeah, no, I I wouldn't consider myself an atheist. Did anybody else have like a religious upbringing? My mom's side of the family. Oh yeah. We we would when I was a kid. I remember leaving my her aunt's house, and we'd get in the car, and I'd reach my hands in my coat, my little coat pocket, and there'd be like Jack Chick comics. Oh yeah. And I'd be like, what the fuck. They are awesome, you know, <laughs> thinking back, I should have just kept them all, but, um, I always, anytime anyone's like handing uh, out chicks, I, I go to daily I, city I, immediately. I'm like, how many it's can amazing. you give me? <laughs> but, I really need to get saved. Just <laughs> me <up>. But <coughs> just growing up, I had a lot of, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, right. Like, but it was definitely present, and I had options. You know, I, I I always feel like my parents raised me right, and that they weren't like this is, this is finite, right? You know, because they both came from different religious backgrounds, and you know, somehow that marriage made it work. And having that perspective was really interesting, and I think that was very, you know, awakening. Once I was like, you know, like, I like black metal, but I'm not going to be like burn down churches yeah and it's like you know it just poser yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's right <laughs> but um he is right <laughs> <laughs> yeah just thinking about thinking about everything thinking about ourselves in this pool it's like everything everything you do that's not normal what the norm is is, is rebellion I think you know the greatest expression comes from rebellion, usually. Just going against the norm. Deviating. So. But I, I you know, I was never, I never had an agenda against one or the right, other. Right. I just think it's kind of silly sometimes. You know, I like stories. <laughs> stories are good. Stories are good. You can't deny that. You know, good values are good. You know. There, there, there are there are lines to where you know when, when you're controlling populations or you know telling people you know this 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 it's it's a little it's a little frustrating because there's so much out there you know through time and it's like okay well 
again. Just a drop in the pool. Anybody else with some religion <laughs> in their past? <laughs> I only ask this because they're, you know, black metal has a history of being, you know, anti, uh, in most cases, Christianity, but really um, in an effort to sort of regain a lost culture in a way. Um, a lot of the uh, sort of pagan areas that, you know, had a very deep uh, spiritual religion that connected them to the earth and the spiritual realm and all these things that, you know, we're kind of, you know, playing around with in this conversation, that there's this sort of drive to get back to that and seeing Christianity as the thing that, like, tore that away and imposed this false construct and using the music and the uh, the spectacle around the acts that a lot of people were taking, a lot of the church burnings, the corpse paint and all this stuff, like, you know, is meant to shake people out of that mindset and really present like a, a counter to that, that challenges it. Um, but it's interesting to see the ways that that that's very overt, you know. But I think for American culture, it's a little less overt because it's not one thing being dominated on us. We have, you know, a diverse enough culture that it's sort of a, an amalgamation of things being sort of dictating so like to us. Christianity is like oh, for sure, pretty, yeah. pretty much the, the the big one that's being shoved down our throats. Yeah, but. It, what's different here, as opposed to say like Norway, obviously, is there's no indigenous one religion that was right, crushed yeah. underfoot. You're just gonna, like, well, it's, those people aren't, you know, a significant enough, uh, yeah. you know, majority or even minority to to assert that past religion. Right. But thing, you know, things like um, Native American spiritualism mm -hmm. and things like that did yeah. exist. Yeah. You know, previously in that was a lot more like the pagan religions of Norway and, you know, that sort of northern area of Europe that seems to be a hotbed for this specific type of reactionary art, in a way. It's, it's interesting to see how things are, are, are different when coming from a different cultural perspective. You know, we do have a dominant Christian society here. But even that Christian society is influenced so much by the diversity yeah. of everyone else that lives here and the diversity of different kinds of Christians, uh, not just, you know, Protestant, Catholic, or whatever. So how do you, how do you guys come to terms with um, the... The fact that you're dealing like in this sort of you know somewhat spiritual realm in a way um, and how that connects to you know religion in the sense that that most people when they hear about spirituality they think of a religion mm. 
whereas you know I think everyone here can kind of agree that spirituality is is something different than organized religion is is it something that that you are reacting to um this dominant you know society yeah i i i mean i think all of us in a certain way are reacting to that um whether we we are intentionally doing it anymore or not i mean i I know initially that was at least my my motivation uh, now it's just kind of become part of the landscape uh but um yeah i mean i didn't really have to uh i wasn't being forced into going to church or anything like that although i did live all around the uh, pacific northwest and utah which is like mormon and um predominantly and so I mean, I, I had to deal with it, but it wasn't really anything that was, uh, you know, crammed down my throat or anything. So I mean, I I got into, I obviously wasn't very into Christianity, and I experimented with psychedelics and whatnot when I was younger, and maybe still do, but. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I, I researched a lot of like Eastern mysticism and um, spirituality and whatnot, and just kind of came to the conclusion that everyone wants to know what's going on and um, try and put some kind of like context or significance to this whole reality or life or whatever you want to call it, and. I mean that's that's good. I I don't really feel like I need to go to a church to express that. Or um, I mean it could just be sound or ritual or whatever. Yeah, I feel like it's less about reacting to established religion than it is about exploring other types of spirituality. I mean it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, I think there is a lot of, I don't know, maybe shared in, like interest in terms of like paganism or just like other kind of undefined spirituality, but that doesn't, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be like in contrast to something or in conflict to something. I mean, getting back to, I mean, it, it, it ties in, but, you know, we have to also realize here that black metal was started by a bunch of suburban <laughs> teenagers who were angry. It's, it was basically punk, but yeah. with a different twist. Yeah. So they did that work, and it was effective, you know. And again, you know, we are not a black metal band. We are right. influenced by black metal. And I think the idea, the ideas from that that influenced me from that from you know that period and those genre that genre i mean it's a lot more important to me than you know what the original message was like you know uh again i mean i'm not i don't have an agenda against against anybody here well (laughs) (laughs) but uh 
it's just it's I like to think that we kind of represent maybe just the more philosophical side of of you know those deviations and just an evolution a continual evolution of uh, results I mean I think it's important to understand and appreciate those aspects of rebellion but you don't have to be associated with what that actual rebellion is. Mm. It's kind of more that that act or that that inspiration. Is it important for you that people take something away from your music, or do you just you know let it be what it is and whatever? I don't think it has to be specific. I mean, I think it's. I think that's what. I, I think that's one of the most important. What's that? <laughs> Expect people to, you know, get it. Yeah. Or everyone to get it. I think that's part of the, the like, one of the best things about it, experimental music in general is that, like, you, it can be open to interpretation. Right. Yeah, it's very open-ended. It can have a lot of different aspect, like, you know, effects on different people. That's the power, you know? For sure. It's undeniable. Well, I think things are winding down a little bit here. So I am going to roll into some trivia. And then we will uh, <laughs> cap off this episode. We've been going for an hour and a half already. So we definitely put in our time. I want to thank you guys for coming by and taking the time on this uh Tuesday evening to come and chat with us about all kinds of craziness. Um, so, for this week's trivia, um, we're going with a metal theme. You know, the prize is going to be um, whoever gets all these answers correct can choose the show that they want to go to. So, the first person to get all of these questions correct, email them to me at info at slimspresents.com can choose to go to any of our medley shows coming up in the future. So we've got Ohm at GAM on uh, 416. We've got Mono at GAM on 522. Uh, Mono is not really that metal, but sometimes. They're an awesome Japanese sort of post-rock, you know, abstract band. They're definitely an awesome band, so... If you like Sutek Hexen, I think you would probably like Mono. I don't know. It's an assertion, but, you know. No surprises. <laughs> but uh, we also have Iced Earth coming up at Slim's on May 3rd. Uh, Nile, that same. And Shio. So that's April 18th. Minus me. Well, yeah. He'll be in Europe. Be you're, you're going on tour? Mm. What, why don't you tell us about your... Uh, because you know we have millions of international <laughs> listeners to this podcast. So tell us about your European tour. I am uh, embarking on a solo tour, just as my name. And I'll be playing, I'll be flying into Milan and playing Bologna, uh, Venice, Barcelona, Berlin, Vienna, Budapest, Athens. Naples, Rome, and Milan again. 
That's a badass fucking tour. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. So. And uh, Andy, you got something going on in Puerto Rico? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, doing a three dates in Puerto Rico early May. Um, I can't remember the dates. Or Where can the they find now, and One's in San Juan. Where can they find that information? Uh, if you look at my uh, Facebook page, AC Way. Um, and I, yeah, that's probably the best place. All right, last chance to shamelessly promote something. You guys have a new record that you're working on. Uh, yeah, we just finished the final mixing for a live recording, a live collab with our friend Thomas. Uh, the project is Trepan Rings Wichelen. And it was a live recording from the Stella Natura Festival that happened oh, cool. in 2013. So we're, we're having that released um, in a couple formats. So that'll be out shortly. Hopefully before we leave for tour in the end of May and June, we'll be throughout the West Coast. So that's happening. And Do you guys have um, dates lined up already at venues? We're playing What's confirmed so far that we can actually talk about right now is the Debacle Fest in Seattle. Cool. So that will be 5:31. So be sure to catch that. There are a lot of good bands that we'll be playing. And a new club in Portland, the Dynasty. Okay. That'll be June 1st. The rest is me. The rest yeah. is me. And then about two, two weeks later, we'll be doing the South Half, California. Nice, nice. So a whole West Coast tour. Yeah. Uh, what's your website for people to go to? SuTechHexen.org. All right, classy organization. That's SuTechHexen. <laughs> We're all about class. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back again next week with a new guest. Thanks for tuning in. Good night.